Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hot Plate. This is Mirella. I'm delighted to announce that Hot Plate has joined the Frequency Podcast Network, and we're busy working on season two, which will be released in the new year. In the meantime, we've recorded a special holiday treat. Today on Hot Plate, we talk big birds and hangovers and share two easy recipes you can make to be the star of your next holiday party. Hello, Joshna. Hello. Oh, it's been a while. Indeed. When's the last time uh, we were here doing this? I think it was July, our last recording session. Way back in the hot, hot summer. Oh. That's not what's happening right now. It is good and cold out there. It is freezing. Oh. I can't wait for snow, though. I, I know. It winter. makes it all more tolerable, I think, with the snow. I'm into it. It does. So what have you been up to? I have been. The biggest bit has been finishing up my book. Yes. Uh, lots of excitement. It is called Take Back the Tray. Take Back uh, the Tray. Woo! And it is Amazon presale is up already. Oh, really? It's up. Oh, good. But it will be in the world uh, in May of next year. Okay. Uh, so we're finishing up all those details. Uh, can be a bit intense. What stage are you at right now? Right now, I have just received the final hard copy of proof edited manuscript for one more once over for me. Okay. I will spend the holidays with a hard copy on the west coast of Croatia <laughs> uh, doing one last edit. That sounds quite civilized. Uh, I'm into it a lot. Surely a glass of wine will be involved. Or uh, beer. Or beer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then other than that, this semester has been teaching. That's why I'm calling them all semesters. I've had two classes uh, of joyful, joyful times. Students are amazing. I love it a lot. Last class is tomorrow night. Um, and then we're off for holiday fun. But tell me what you have been doing. Oh, I've been, I've been working on a number of projects. Yeah. But uh, the two main ones, one is uh, a hop terroir project. Oh. So when you think of terroir, usually you think of like, wine. Sure. You know, like the, how the climate it's a and grape the soil story. impacts yeah, yeah, the yeah. grapes. So there are, are a lot of people now doing work on uh, hops and terroir. Nice. And the idea with all these IPAs, where the hop is your mm. main note, yep. that um, if the soil does impact the flavor of those hops, then Ontario-grown hops will result in different beers than hops grown somewhere else. Surely, so, yeah. Super fun project. I was taking care of the sensory, and I think there's going to be a write-up in the Globe and Mail shortly. Oh, fantastic. And the other big thing I'm working on is an app that's trying oh. to create a Netflix-like algorithm. So, you know, if you buy oh, three fantastic. different beers, like which other beers might you like? Oh, that would be so helpful. And it's an app that it exists in Quebec. It's called Beer & Co. And it's going to launch in Ontario soon. So, All right. Um, really fun stuff. That is fun stuff. Yeah. And like proper us stuff. Yes. It's exciting to do the thing that you want to do, right? True. <laughs> so the holidays are fast approaching. They are. And, There's lots uh, to talk about. A huge part of the holidays is food. Of I course. About you, but of course. Yeah, it's central. Indeed. And actually, I was wondering what you usually eat around. The so, holidays. for my family, uh, it's not, uh, it's mostly a mishmash of all of our favorite things. Some Including? Indian stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, there's like, uh, like Indian hors d'oeuvres and snacks and things. We actually do less of sitting down at a big table full of food and more of. Just putting things out to graze. Just constant just snacking. Just constant <gasps> snacking and consumption. I it starts that. on Christmas Eve and goes right through to Boxing Day. And we are all like stretchy pants and board games and movies. Oh, wow. Amidst that. One, one tradition is uh, I bake scones on Christmas morning. 
sounds delightful. Uh, and we crack open a jam, a jar of jam that was preserved in the summer before. Like Christmas is the deep enough into winter where we're going to open, crack into preserves. So it's all just all your favorite things. It's all our favorite things. Yeah. That's delightful. It's really great. Well, in my family, yeah. um, historically, it's been extremely traditional. So the okay. complete opposite, but a marriage of two traditions. Nice. So uh, we also eat many of our favorite things. Yes. <laughs> uh, so on the French-Canadian side, that includes turkey and stuffing right. and, and all potatoes the and all that. Okay. And um, cranberry sauce, which we call atoka. And I just looked it up recently because yeah. it's a it's um, French-Canadian slang for cranberries. And apparently it's a native term. It's the native term for yeah, cranberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that we have sense. that. We also have tortière. And then because um, a whole portion of the family is Italian, we also have pasta. That's awesome. And meatballs. Yes. This is all in one meal. That's so great. Yeah. Tortière, turkey, and pasta and meatballs? Yeah. And, and then, you know, there's the traditional sweets at the end. Oh, so we do the grazing as well. I love well, it. I love it's, it. It's an all-day affair. It's outrageous and amazing. Uh, but I wanted to linger on the turkey mm-hmm. a little bit because mm-hmm. I came across an article. And the article is about why do we like turkey so much right. and why do we eat so much food around the yeah. holidays? Why the like the gluttonousness the is gluttonous part of it, right? Yeah. Overeating. And the article actually came out with American Thanksgiving, but it's about turkey. Sure. Um, so the headline was, does the brain trick you into thinking food tastes better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On, on Thanksgiving yep. or during the holidays? And it's based on the research of this dude called Don Katz, who is yep. <clears throat> an expert in behavioral neuroscience and studies gustatory perception in learning. So basically, he's just trying to figure out, wh- you know, why do things taste good? Mm-hmm. And what cues we get or give around food. And right. it was interesting. Uh, I shared the article with you. Mm-hmm. So his theory is that the reason we enjoy turkey is more than just its flavor. And he points out that turkey and potatoes are actually quite bland. Right, exactly. And in, in many, I, I, I really like turkey. <laughs> it's not bland well, to me. <laughs> the, from, a, like, from a culinary perspective, mm-hmm. we are, we're always just like, oh, God, with the turkey because it's so it's such a lean meat. Right. Right. And we know lesson one in cooking school is that fat carries flavor. Okay. Right? And so the turkey is tricky. This is why you got people deep frying the thing and wrapping it in bacon and doing all these sorts of nutty things. Uh, because it's, it's in it. And because the general population gets a bit panicky about cooking this giant bird that they almost always overcook it. Interesting. Right? So there's a guaranteed dryness, which is why a giant boat of gravy arrives to, to moisten things up. Right. Uh, right. So it, the curiosity, that gravy. we are really dedicated to the, the ritual and tradition of that bird, not because it tastes so delicious. Right. There's something more. Right? I Which feel is, like I'm being tricked because yeah. <laughs> I do think it's delicious. And you're like, but I love but it. But I love it. Um, so, so Don Katz has been doing a lot of work with uh, rats. Right. And his his whole working premise is the idea that how we taste things or whether something tastes good to us extends beyond what it actually tastes like. And it extends to things like if we see other people enjoying it um, or if we see other people mm-hmm. eating it. So he did this test with rats. Yeah, yeah. Um, rats do, apparently don't like cocoa because it's bitter. Right, right, right. So he, and this is not very nice, took one rat and starved it a little bit. Yes. And then he fed it some cocoa. 
and it ate it because um, it, it was, was starving. hungry and that was it. And then he put another rat together with this rat, and <laughs> apparently, how rats say hello <laughs> is by smelling each other's breath. I know, I love that part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind it's of a very like sort dogs, of intimate greeting. I know yeah. exactly. Okay, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if that's the way how we we greet each other? I think it would be hilarious. Interesting. We just a little breathy on each other. Woo. So anyway, this other rat who had not been starved smelled the cocoa on the other rat's uh, breath and then was completely happy to eat cocoa, right. which it normally would not have eaten. Yep. So yep. his whole idea is that you know uh, our taste buds are not only about the flavor and our appreciation mm-hmm. of the flavor, but also about is this safe and it's part of like a yes. larger yeah, set there's a safety of signals. Piece. Yep. And once we know it's safe, we're just hardwired to accept it as tasting mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. So I guess the idea is because Thanksgiving is a happy time right. and everyone's eating turkey and everyone's overeating yep. and we feel that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and it somehow it somehow feels good. Yeah. Right. I feel like it's the same logic behind commercials. Right? You okay. see people happily drinking this thing or eating this thing. You're like, I want to be happy like those people. Right. Right? I feel yes. like that's the, the spirit of it is very much the same. That must be what's behind it. I, th- I think there's got to be some of that, right? You recognize the good life that's available to you if you bought this thing and started eating or drinking it. Right? I think that's what they're suggesting. Uh, what When I read the piece, I loved, uh, like... I, I think it makes good sense, and it was really interesting. Also, mm-hmm. I love this whole rats in the breath introduction <laughs> thing. It was very sweet. But one of the things that seemed so sweet about it was that there was all of these really sort of scientific bits supporting the notion uh, of what I recognize essentially as conviviality. Right. Right? And the reason that we enjoy it is because there's good times around the table. It's about sharing food with other people. Right? And it just so happens that... Unfortunately, we live in a world where the Thanksgiving meal is one of the only times that you are necessarily at a table with Mm -hmm. that many of your ideally loved ones or friends and family, people you like, um, so that the opportunity for having those experiences are so rare that we, I think, are are more inclined to preserve the tradition of the and, and, and are think that it's because of the turkey and the stuffing and the carrots and the, right. right when when I, I don't think that it is I think it's about the company and the context uh, mostly because my Indian family's Thanksgiving hardly ever had a turkey right yeah yeah you're coming <laughs> right? at it from a very we, different we never ever had a turkey but we the the love of all of us together mm-hmm. was really what the magic of Thanksgiving was and I think what's interesting about this article and the the science is that that conviviality actually impacts yes. our Taste yeah, buds. I did. I did like that. We yes. Perceive, and fascinating because I do think turkey is delicious, <laughs> and you're, you know, yeah. not partial to it. But yeah. it's not something that you have regularly for the holiday. Not at all. So not at all. Maybe that's why. It could be. I like this. I like this. <laughs> On to our next topic, mm-hmm. which is. Holiday hangovers. It's good. I'm very happy to talk about this. This time of year, consumption gets a boost. Mm-hmm. And in my advancing years, my hangovers are much more painful effort than they used to be. I know. I got to plan them out. It can't just happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I find sometimes I'll just have one beer and the well, next day I feel It's a rough. sadness. Because you can remember a version of you that did a much better, much better performance, right? right? Yeah. And th- well, the interesting thing about hangovers is that we don't really exactly know 
scientifically mm-hmm. on a granular level what causes them. There right. are a number of different theories that I have read. Uh, I mean, obviously, too much alcohol. Right, right. That's a clear <laughs> it's what causes yes. them. But, you know, people are always looking for hangover cures. Cure, indeed. And there's no s- straight line to a hangover cure because we haven't, we don't know the we science. We haven't isolated the problem necessarily. That being said, yet another organization yeah. has attempted to uh, uh, yeah. crack the code. Can I say that? I like it. Okay. Um, and so this is... a. Uh, a product that was developed by a Stanford medical oh, training amazing. program yeah. graduate. Oh, no. Very I, read, I read that, too, and I was like, okay, Stanford. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and th- so the product is called capital S, small O, big B, small A, small R. Right. And it only hit me a couple of seconds ago that it's called Sober. Oh, Sober. That right? just hit me right now. Because you're reading it on the page. Yeah. And what it is, is it's like a power bar. Yes. And it is relatively low calorie. I think 200 calories. Right. I don't, I'm not a calorie counter. Me I don't neither, know if that's a lot that's of calories a, that is or not. A, for us, it's an average sort of snack calorie count. I don't know. Yeah. And it's protein rich. And the idea is that if you eat this, it'll slow the absorption of alcohol in your system. Apparently, the gentleman right. who developed this right. bar was at a wedding Right. And drank way too much, had a horrible on morning. his empty stomach. Yeah, right. And thought, I need to address this. So I thought it was really fascinating mm-hmm. because the idea I have firsthand experience of what happens when you drink on an empty stomach. Mm-hmm. That's a, that feels like a real thing, right? It is. That it goes. You get to that reception after work, and you start drinking champagne. All right. And you haven't had nearly enough of the cheese and crackers that are also there. Yes. Right. And you can feel it right to your head. It super hits fast. you a lot more quickly. It absolutely mm-hmm. does. Um, and you also know that when you like are at the bar, super tipsy, and then you go and have the poutine, yes. that things really calm down a little. You know what I mean? Yeah. That it sort of angles itself down. That's right. So the idea is that if you have food in your stomach, it slows the absorption right. of alcohol. I would hesitate and to say that it will prevent the hangover because you're still Getting ingesting the same amount of alcohol because uh, it doesn't seem to address the two questions I had yeah. were how does the bar actually address the residual impact of the alcohol because that's that's really where the where the hangover action mm-hmm. starts and I feel like there wasn't enough talk about at what point in the drinking. Like, is this a prophylactic? Like, do you eat this bar and then start drinking? Can you? Eat the bar at any moment in the course of your drinking. Right. Uh, is there, like, will this only be effective for five drinks? Uh, right. Or, you know, is, is there a point where your consumption is too great that this is a sort of negligible <laughs> bit of nonsense? Uh, what's the, well, you know, I feel like there wasn't enough information yeah. there. Well, these are all valid questions. Starting at the beginning. So the notion is that when you eat food, it slows your absorption right. of alcohol. So it won't hit you as quickly. You absorb it a little bit more slowly. And so therefore you're probably uh, less metabolizing it because you're metabolizing it at the same time. And so they did a test, one with people on empty stomachs, uh, and I feel sorry for them, (laughs) one (laughs) with people eating a full hearty meal and one with people eating the bar. And they found that the people who uh, obviously who were drinking on empty stomach, the alcohol hit them a a lot harder. And I think the people with the full meal... uh, the alcohol didn't hit them as hard, but then he turns to the notion that this is, you know, 200 calories. Mm-hmm. So much more, I guess, efficient and compact than a full meal. Right. And the almost, density yeah. of it. Yes. But so 
Question number one for me. Yeah. You've just had three old fashions, but and now you're counting calories. I like, know. Just, it's just so put it's food in your funny, mouth. Right? It's, it is really funny. Um, and also to your point about, you know, prophylactic or preventive, mm-hmm. like you need to have this bar in your, like if you can have the foresight to know that you're going to need this bar, can't you just have the foresight to eat something? Uh, this is my question. Now, maybe it's helpful. I have been in scenarios in my life where surprise drunkenness was a thing. Right. You're like, oh, oh. And then right. and now we're drunk. Uh, maybe that, so maybe I guess that's the idea it. would be that yeah. would be in your purse for those moments. Right. Uh, now, I will say I played a game like this in university, mm-hmm. except for my idea was focusing on the hangover as a result of the dehydration as a result of excessive alcohol right. consumption. Yeah. Right. That I, the, my this is the 20 year old version of me. Mm-hmm. Right. And we heard somewhere that effervescent vitamin C tablets could take in, so you put a couple in like uh, Alka-Seltzer kind of vibe, yes. right, in a glass and ch- and two or three glasses right. of water worth before the drinking starts. Okay. Right? That boosts your hydration. The vitamin C does that job so that on the other end of it, it's a much smoother exit. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you've leaned into, you know, what's about to happen. You know that some major drinking is going to so that you've set it all up. And time and time again, that worked. Well, you know, dehydration is a very real yeah. concern when consuming alcohol, uh, as is vitamin depletion. Right. So th- that makes sense that that would work. And I feel like those are more effective and to the point tactics than this bar, which yeah, is I... essentially just a replacement for food and or common sense. Right. And as you because sidebar, what kind of wedding was this guy at? That he was drinking on an empty stomach. I, I I don't understand. I've never been to a wedding with an open bar that didn't also have tons of food available. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Well, and we're kind of anyway, not allowed. But anyway. Get yeah. yourself to some food. Uh, you you asked about does it impact the hangover? And I'm not yeah. I'm not so sure that it does. Again, the mechanics we don't know. So it, it is possible yeah. that if your alcohol is being absorbed more slowly, even if it's the same amount of right. alcohol, right. maybe There's you'll a feel steadiness, right. A tad less rough in the morning, but probably you won't feel fine. I, I will. I will advocate very effectively for the effervescent vitamin C prophylactically. Yes. Uh, if this is going to happen, we know consumption is a thing, particularly with New Year's Eve, right? Which is the, the one night a mm-hmm. year where we all sort of give ourselves a green light to drink it up. Um, it works, but do it before. Think about giving a gift from your present self to your future self, right? Like just do it before the drinking starts uh, because that is, I think, the only way to really impact the intensity of that hangover. For sure. I'm envisioning like a little self-care kit in the corner with water, this your is little it. vitamin C. Right? Vitamin B is also incredibly I like it a good. Lot. A couple of power bars. Yeah. Voila. Uh, and then you're ready to pound them back. Although power bars and champagne. Mm, yeah. No. So it's time for some holiday treats. Yippee! Are you ready? I am. You got. I love it when you bring things in a flask. Listen to God, that. I like the audio of that pour very much. <laughs> Thank you. So, oh my God, this, as you will notice, oh, I can is smell. Warm. I can. The, the smelling is coming back to me these days. Oh, this is warm and lovely. What mm. is happening here? So, what this is, for all intents and purposes, is a mulled beer. Okay. But it's not really a mulled beer. It's a posset. I've heard of this. You have. I have heard of this. What have you heard? Um, I've heard it in like in reading old English 
yeah. stories and stuff. Okay, so it, I, I've always understood that it was some sort of doctored up beer. It's from Eliza- Elizabethan, England. Okay. So you're dead on there. Got it. And it can be made with either beer or wine, traditionally. And it's, I said sort of a posset because the idea of a posset is a cream curdled in wine or beer. <laughs> That's what the cook inside of me knows posset as right. a sort of custardy kind of yes. thing. Right. Uh, I'm not keen on curdling. Me neither. So this is essentially a mulled beer, but also with egg whipped into it. So you've Yolks got... Yolks or whole? Just the yolk. So mm. there's a little yolk in there, Ooh, some sugar, a brandy, of course. You can sense the richness. I haven't even tasted it yet, and I can tell that this is even just the thickness of how it looked when it poured. I'm excited to know what you think. I love this. It's lovely. Oh, it's really good. Tell me what spices and stuff are happening in here. There is um, clove, Mm -hmm. ginger, Mm -hmm. and nutmeg. Yes. And that's it. Honey, brown sugar, and then the yolk. That is great. Oh, and lemon rind. I like to offset anything sweet Uh with a little bit of bitterness. And I brewed this, uh, sorry, I cooked this with uh, a dark ale base. And I think that's the most challenging part of this recipe Uh is finding a dark ale these days that isn't super hoppy. Okay. Okay. Yep. So I made this with Amsterdam Downtown Brown. Pretty easy to find, but any brown ale works. Man, I like like the nuance of that bitter finish. Mm -hmm. Very pleasing. Oh. I can taste... The lemon zest, and it balances it out really, because otherwise it would be super sweet. Yes. Right? Which, as we know, will take us right into hangover land. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a Moorish quality to it, mm-hmm. and it's it's got a nice kick from the brandy. And tell me in the batch, mm-hmm. how many yolks? Just one yolk. So yeah. two cans of beer. Just a little bit. And okay. the yolk whipped in with the sugar. Would you have put in more? No, I think it's perfect. So you do that little nice Italian thing with the yolk and the sugar. And whipping that all together. Is that Italian? It is a, I've heard many of my Italian friends talk about being fed that as a dessert. Interesting. It's that like must be almost a Zabayon, right? Okay. It's like on the road to a Without the booze, it's a Zabayon. Uh, and they were like, yeah, this like my nonna would make this, they would make this sort of thing for me as a little treat. I'm guessing that's northern Italian because yeah, that I've, I've never seen that. Yeah, it was very. Um, but but it I'm also, quite obsessed yeah, with mulling beers this. in different ways. Yeah. My... Actually, my favorite mulled beer recipe is called lamb's wool, which is not a posset. It's called lamb's wool because you use the spices in the beer and uh, baked apples, and the apples break down and give you an appearance like lamb's wool. Oh, oh, how... Mm -hmm. So that recipe is already on my website, but we'll uh, share the recipe for this uh, Uh, tasty treat. Make this for yourselves, my friends. Mm. And it's a lovely thing. To just graze and sip on. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the perfect bit here. Yum. Well, this is the whole... uh, Why am I having trouble saying Elizabethan today? It's sort of a lot. It's... I can do it. So the whole Elizabethan, you know, wassailing tradition. Of course. Which I thought was just going door to door and singing, but apparently it extends beyond that to just drinking warm alcoholic beverages and having a good time. Because I think the thought was that you would be be met at the door with a cup of something boozy, right? And that was the payment for your services and hopefully contributing to the joviality of the situation. For sure. Yeah. And uh, just another fun fact that I came across um, in my research with the posset, they think that it's the predecessor to eggnog. 
Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if this was made with cream, then it, w- it would the be traditional very method. Noggy. I'm sure. sure it's very close. Um, love it. But uh, yes, a recipe you mm. can add to your collection. I love that. Thank you. Yum. It's warming. Okay, so uh, it's no surprise that I have brought you sweets as my yes. favorite for me. Uh, this time is about baking and sort of unrestricted use of sweet things. Uh, so these are things that have the last few years have become favorites. I'm calling them uh, date snowballs. Interesting. So essentially what I've done is made a date caramel, mm-hmm. right, with a bit of uh, brown sugar, some maple syrup and butter and a paste of ground up of pureed dates. Pureed dry dates. Yeah, right? very seasonal. Very, exactly. Um, and then we mix that with uh, Rice Krispies. Oh. Once we make the date caramel mm-hmm. and it bubbles nicely, you mix it with Rice Krispies. You let it cool, key piece, because it's still liquid sugar. Yes. Which is deathly hot. And then once it cools, you form it into balls and then just roll it in powdered sugar. Wow. So and these look almost like little rum balls to me, but very they're whiter. Much. Yeah. They're, and then, then, then there's the a crispiness. Sugar is very white. Uh, I love these because they're clearly seasonal and festive, mm-hmm. but they also are naturally uh, gluten free. Nice. Which is a wonderful piece to just sort of have out there so that mm-hmm. everybody can enjoy a sweets table or a gifting. I am really big on consumable gifts. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't, we have enough stuff. And if you want to give gifts, I feel like just in a little bag that can go into the compost heap after and we're done, right? Yes. So this is a classic piece that I'm reaching for one. Yes, do it. I'm really intrigued by the Rice Krispies. I feel like yeah. that's a textural. It element. is definitely a textural. I love element. your attention to texture. It the mouthful means a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do I put the whole thing in? I say go for it. All right, I'm doing it. Hmm. Love the Rice Krispies. Yeah. It works. I did to be full disclosure because I knew I was coming to see you. I actually pulled back on some of the sugar mm-hmm. because I know that you are not such a fan of super sweetie. And as it is, these things get rolled this in powdered sugar. Yeah. Um, so I pulled back a little and you could keep going as long as you have enough sugar to build that caramel. So so run me run the ingredients by me again. So there's dates. A pureed. So dates that get processed in the mm-hmm. food processor to a thick paste. Yes. In a pot mm-hmm. with butter and yeah. sugar. Okay, so it's the right? butter that's coming through. And you you cook that down till it becomes homogenous and starts bubbling in this sort of thick swamp monster kind of way. Mm. And then that just gets poured over the Rice Krispies, and you do hear the snap crackly pop. Uh, stir it together, let it cool, and then form it into, with wet hands, roll it into a ball, and in powdered sugar. Have you ever made this into squares? Never, but I'm sure that would work beautifully. Yeah, I feel like it's um, a little soft. I don't know if it would hold its the as it structure dries out. of... Uh, as it dries out. You're getting them incredibly fresh because I made them this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that because I have these around for about two weeks while I'm packing up gifties and yeah. the later ones, uh, it's a firmer caramel. Because to me, I would feel like this would be greater than a Rice Krispie Square. Yes. It's not quite as sweet. It's got totally. a little bit more richness. I yeah. love that. The, I don't know how much butter is in here, but it, mm. it says it's hello. It's generous. And it's to there. be honest, I experimented this mm-hmm. this batch, and I thought, what would this be like if we brown the butter a little bit mm. and develop the nuttiness in the butter? Because you can also, the recipe calls for uh, very finely chopped nuts, mm-hmm. but that can be a bit of an allergen problem sometimes. So I keep them out. But browning the butter gives you a sort of elevated Rice crispy vibe. I'm going to wash this down with a little posset, and I feel like this is going to be a killer combo. Oh, God, I think you're right. I'm going to join you. Yep. 
That is a killer combo. Together, isn't it? it's very good. Yes. It's very good. Folks, you will all want a taste of this. And we will post both recipes on our website. Yes. And can they fit in the show notes? Yeah. Perfect. We're going to fit them in. We're going to fit them in. Make these for your people for your next holiday party. You will be a hit. Uh, low waste and lots of delicious good times. I do love, Josh, now your idea about edible and consumable yeah, it's be gifts. Yeah. There are so many options. Uh, I've seen really cool packages out there where you can basically put together all of the dry sections of a, mm-hmm, a cookie, mm-hmm. for example, and then put it in a mason jar. Yeah, and it's the best. Put the, you just need some butter and eggs. A, a cute little cookie cutter. And that makes for yeah. a, a wonderful, fun gift. It uh, also <laughs> gives the, the receiver a little bit of work to do. Right. It's a different approach, but for the right person, that's a really I fun I think it's it's super perfect. This, gift. this, the... Eating and enjoying edible things is really what the season is all about. So just share that around everybody and forget about the stress of that other gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving. That's it. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a rating or review. It helps others find us. Hot Plate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Original music by Dave Bell. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Beerology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Thanks for listening.